Welcome to The Hack, the straight-talking smart tech podcast where we discuss the ever-changing world we live in today. It's time to start thinking differently. So tune in and buckle up for some home truths as Hull and East Yorkshire's very own digital tech experts talk transformation and change, focusing on people, process and technology. Back, aren't we? We're back. Certainly are. Um, back with a bang. Paul, you're, you're back from Missing in Action. I certainly we missed him last week, didn't we? We definitely did. And we've got the wonderful Mr. Philip Morgan, entrepreneur, technologist, investor, speaker and pastor. Welcome on the show, Phil. Great to be on here with you again, Leon. And and Phil, I'm just going to start this off straight away in terms of if you was at a dinner party and you had to explain what you do um, for a living, what is it that you do, Phil? I tend to tell people I'm in the tech industry straight away because it's a conversation stopper. It's like saying, what job do you do? Oh, I'm a car mechanic. And then you, you go peace and quiet for the rest of the evening then. So that's what I do. <laughs> but it's more than that because you, you've been leading a technology revolution in the, in the UK for many years. You're very passionate about tech. And what is it what, what, that makes you so passionate about tech? What is it? Yeah. So the honest answer is I love telling people I'm actually in tech and then they switch off and then I get them to switch back on because without tech, there's lots of things, particularly in the health industry that we wouldn't have today. So listeners today, stuff like MRI scanners, the stuff around cancer treatment, that's what the tech industry does really. And so when you look at probably the biggest technology initiative ever announced by JFK, who said, we're going to put the man on the moon. And in 1969, that became a reality. There are thousands of pieces of technology that we've had from NASA and that mission that we use every day. So maybe listeners might not be aware that thanks to JFK's mission to put man on the moon, that's how we have Velcro today. That's how that was developed. So that's why I'm passionate about tech. It's what it can do for everyday people and everyday lives. And Leon, look, you can order a taxi or order takeaway food from your phone now. How cool is that? Yeah, exactly. And I think what's really interesting about the message there about putting the man on the moon, it just took, what I love about that sort of story as well is it just took the intention and the will to do it because we, we we didn't know how to do it. I think when you look at a goal, putting a rocket into space when we had not done that before is absolutely incredible, isn't it? It is. There's nothing like a, a big, hairy, audacious goal in order to in, inspire people. And it's got to be like realistic, but somewhat impossible as well. Like Elon Musk and other people are doing it uh, as well. That kind of, can we do this in terms of decarbonizing vehicle transportation, right? That's, that was his vision. People thought he was crazy. Look what's happening. Yeah, 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 exactly that. So I'm going to jump straight in so we can get to know more about what makes Phil tick. So question... One, Joe, you're going to go with it? I am indeed. So, Phil, what are one to three books that have greatly changed or influenced your life? Sorry, I didn't catch that. What was it again? Apologies. What are one to three books that have greatly changed or influenced your life? Yeah, so as Leon said, I'm actually a church pastor as well, which some people might not think is a logical thing. So the 66 books that have changed my life are actually contained in one book that we know today called the Bible. And I think it has the secrets to most things in relationships, parenting, all of the stuff that we, we, we would go through. And I think particularly in the work that you guys do in mental health, the big thing that the Bible teaches us is this principle of meditation and prayer, which is a real activator for mental health, as, as we know. So this morning for me was a typical day where I get up early. The phone is what I reach for third. I reach for the coffee pot first, got to be honest. 
coffee pot first, secondly, my Bible, and go and do some reading, set myself up for a day, and then I leave all the bad news of the phone come into my life a little bit later. So that's the book that's affected me the most. I love that. I love that. We've been getting up early, haven't we? And doing a doing a bit of a five o'clock training, and that sets me up for the day, Phil, and it's been absolutely brilliant for the last three weeks, but we've just got to, or well, I've got to be consistent and keep it going. No, but um, no, I love it. No, but I think like that again, isn't it? You, you mentioned a, a key point there, Phil, in terms of you know setting yourself up for the day, and yep. you, you study any religion, all religion, I believe, are, are all founded on the same you know great principles, and sitting alone with yourself and, and just taking ten minutes just to erase your brain. I did it this morning. I had a quick ten minute meditation after we've been for a run, just setting my intentions out for the day. What's going to go? What's going to go well? And it's amazing the effects that has. What would you say, Phil, in terms of just having that that silence, that little bit of bit of you time how important is it yeah and interestingly paul's comment there the rhythm and keeping it up i would say that down the years that's the thing that i hear from people the most say oh i wish i could do that i wish i could get up early and the morning routine starts the night before the crucial bit is i mean i am the old man i sneak off and i'm i head to bed at 10 o'clock at night because if i'm not in bed by 10 then i don't feel energized by the time the alarm clock goes off first thing in the morning so the key bit i think is is that piece and as my father always to say he says like nothing meaningful was ever achieved after 10 p.m at night i think about it nothing and it's pretty true whereas first thing in the morning the routine that you guys are on about there now you get to set yourself up you get to compose your thoughts you get maybe to adjust your plan review your day review your goal and the biggest thing is speak to yourself that's a big thing that i do as well you know craig rochelle is probably the best leadership podcast on the planet in my view it is one of the most popular ones i think he's got about two million downloads a month but he says the most powerful story is the story we tell ourselves so for me a lot of it is look my life does count for something even though i'm an average dad and an average husband i tell myself i'm a great dad and all of that kind of stuff so i think the biggest thing is the story we tell ourselves is a key part of the meditation thing yeah, I think uh, this morning I, I felt some of that. So my preparation started last night. I had to get prepared for today because I knew I was going to the gym, then straight here. So I had to be prepared in, in terms of getting everything ready. And then I woke up again about four o'clock this morning and I really didn't want to. So I was thinking about when I did that because I thought, actually, I've got to turn this around into a positive and think about catching that early bit of the morning. And I went out for a walk with the dog about six o'clock and it was stunning. The sky was absolutely beautiful and I just felt really joyful and I just re I just and then I drove to the gym and it was just gorgeous I came out and it had all changed yeah we were just saying Phil, if you want to see it at the minute the, me and Paul again it was a beautiful morning this morning wasn't it? we had a real good morning Stunning. and then it's it, the heavens have opened and but it's about having that time out in it and, and, and any of the books Phil because I know you're an avid reader you're a fantastic leader and, and they always say leaders are readers so come on give us some more wisdom yeah, look, I've got stuff. If people want to visit philipmorgan.com, there's a reading list on there of the stuff that uh, I've read. But I think if people on here are saying like that, the toughest thing is I'm not a reader. And I think it is something you can get into. So two of the books that I'm the biggest evangelist for, and Leon, you get fed up of hearing me saying this all the time, because I do believe life is about an attitude and us understanding that we're here to make a difference. I arrived on this planet in 1969, the same year that man landed on the moon. It was a momentous year, clearly, wasn't it? Supersonic flight, lots of that other stuff. Uh, when I landed, the Beatles split up. That's how momentous it was. But one day... <laughs> I'm going to 
they're going to put me in a box and I tell you what, they're going to screw it down hard to make sure I don't get out again. <laughs> um, but what's my life going to count? What's going to be my legacy? So making a difference in our everyday life is, I believe, the most important um, thing because we're here for each other. We're not here for ourselves. We are here for each other. Everyone wants to belong. Everyone wants to be loved and everyone wants to love. That's at the core of our humanity and how we are wired as uh, as homo sapiens. So for me, the book called The Fred Factor is again, it's a 60 minute read about a postman called Fred that just made a difference in his everyday life. And then there's another book following on uh, from that called The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. Fantastic book. There we are. That's the one I can see you reaching on screen and putting that up because it's good to be a go-getter. Yeah, to get up and make things happen. But it's even better to be a go-giver. And can I just thank you three guys? Because what I love is you guys are go-givers too. You're out of your busy everyday lives, particularly in the area of mental health. You three are making a change every day to the life of others that's largely unseen. But I see it and I see the difference that you make. And so on behalf of hundreds and thousands probably that are out there, can I say thank you for all the hard work that you guys do? It means a lot. I appreciate, appreciate that, Phil. I really appreciate that. No. But, but I think you, you make some real good, um, interesting points because we often hear people who listen to the show, a lot of them are art readers at first, and we hear that at the Man Club, don't we, Paul? And once, I think reading, again, and I talk loads about this, I'm dyslexic, so it used to be really hard for me until I found my own rhythm uh, of getting into it. What would you say to anyone who, who's struggling to read, Phil, or saying, like, I, I just can't do it, I don't have the attention, but what would you say? Well, just stick at it. Like, all of us are walking right now. I, I've never met one person that walks around on their hands and knees today because I said, do you know what? When I was a kid, when I was toddling around, I tried that walking thing, fell over, bumped my head on a chair. I ain't doing it ever again. I've not met one person because... As kids, we seem to have a sense of excitement and tenacity and discovery for life. But what happens as we get older, life closes in and we conform and we lose that sense of adventure. But also we lose that ability and desire to learn. For those of us and, and, and those people that are listening right now, if ever you picked some, a toddler up or been working with kids, they say, why this? Why that? Those of you that are parents listening, your kids ask loads of questions. We stop asking questions the older we get. And I think so mapping in time for your creativity, that's fundamentally what you talked about with this uh, principle of solitude or meditation. What you're doing is blocking intentionally the rest of the world out. So your brain has time to settle down and we call it decompression or whatever it is. I, I don't know. Just give your brain some slack. And when you're out, this is going to sound weirdly on. I was out walking on the weekend. And it had been raining and I'm walking through, I'm running past some of these flowers and it was like a, a pile of sunflowers leaning over a, 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 a garden a hedge or fence because they were so tall. But the water had literally, from the rain, had literally stopped. And I kid you not, for about 30 seconds, I'm looking at all of these tiny little water droplets that are just hanging on on the flowers. It's just amazing. And one of the things that we do, which I include reading in this, is we don't give ourselves time to see the beauty and stuff anymore or to do the learning and read a book. Because books are great teachers. And if you open them, there's an interaction between you and the book that will change your life.
if you take the time to do it. And people say they can't read. Well, they do. They read every day. Text messages, emails, documents. They do read every single day. They just are not in a space mentally, I think, a lot of the time to be able to read. And I know I'm going on a little bit here, but find a good place to read that you can be fully present because those listening and you here and maybe Paul, how many times have you you done this where you've read a whole page of a book and then had to go back to the beginning and say, what did I just read? Because my headspace was elsewhere. I'm actually thinking, did I get back to that email or did I do that project or whatever? So you've got to be in the right headspace to be able to interact with the book in the first place. So that's why I do my reading. Can I just go back to something that Phil was saying at the beginning as well about the Bible? And I was just interested to know, because I've heard different things around COVID and religion and people going to because a lot of it went online that different people was able to go into have a look at different religions different um kind of services that were being offered and actually that kind of brought a real good sense of well-being to individuals that they was able to try different things out without they maybe wouldn't have done before that they wouldn't have gone to another church or but there was the that was able to do that during covid is that something that you've heard and a lot of people get a lot of comfort from religion and what would you say to people around that as well because I think we it's, it's something that we don't always talk about very much um yeah it, 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 so what happened through we could talk about COVID right but it wasn't so much COVID and there's far better minds than me that have written about this if you think about it it was a lockdown it was a forced sabbatical so mm -hmm. it made all of us think more creatively about the ways we were doing life. Yep. So you and the listeners here probably started playing more games with the kids because otherwise we're going to go crazy and start more arguments or whatever it is. But I've talked to so many different people that have changed their lives out of the impact of lockdown. People that have thought, you know what? And this is probably the biggest one. Phil, I've decided I'm changing my career. I've just realized me doing this stupid commute into central London and jumping on the train for an hour in the morning and an hour and a thing. I don't want to do that no more. I've enjoyed spending time with my family and I, I've enjoyed doing lunch together. So I'm going to work for an employer that's going to embrace that flex working and that hybrid working. And that's probably the biggest disruption that's happened. So out of that, I believe people started asking questions, Joe, about life and do I really want to do this? And, and we begin to ask lots of questions about different things. And I think spirituality is just one element of that, that people became more spiritually curious. And definitely for us at Calon Church, the church that I'm uh, privileged um, to be involved in leadership with, definitely that's what we've had with pe people like listening to our online or watching our online church from all over the world. Amazing. I was just, yes. just, just going to say, you, you took it all online, didn't you? You were streaming. I've seen that. So definitely in answering your question, Joe, as well, I'd seen the the streams going out and then the comments as well, the impact that I always call it the ripple effect. And again, it links back into technology. It? It's, a, it's an enabling people to access different services that potentially they might not have done before. So yeah, incredible. That. I'm, I'm going to go to the next question. What, what is your sort of feel good song or music that gets you focused or makes you happy? <laughs> So I think there's a there's different kinds of music and 
and I think for most of us, look, I've grown up with music as a kid, right? Always uh, I'm a bass player, drummer, guitarist. So music is literally the food of love. And I'm a Welshman, so singing and all of that is a big part of, of our life. So there's different things. I love a bit of Mozart and classical stuff, but equally I love more modern stuff. My daughter is getting me into hip hop, the stuff, some of that I would love. But I'm a Motown guy. I love the 70s and the 80s and so more. Most of my time yeah, is listening to uh, Motown music. That's my love. I don't care with that, Phil. I love Motown. I love the 80s. But all the great people were born in 69. Like myself. 68-ish. <laughs> Border <Bored of> December. <laughs> no, no, I love that. But is music a big th- part of your life? That have a big effect on your life, music? Yeah, so in the morning, so back to the the meditation stuff, I do listen to worship music, as we would call it. You can Google stuff like Hillsong or Elevation Worship. and Lassa. So that is a big thing then that is really brings... Fundamental of the Christian faith is living a life of gratitude, right? Because right now, no matter how bad things are, no matter how bad the weather, Joe, that you can say, oh, what a lovely day it was this morning, and then the rain comes... Living an attitude of gratitude life is learning to see the beauty in everything. Do we like the rain? I tell you what, in famine-torn places of the world right now, they love a bit of rain, right? So I think part of it is just literally being able to see the beauty in everything. I really see it in each other as well. It's easy to see fault in each other. But for me, I decide to see the beauty in everyone their particular skill focus on their strength because thank god i'm around a group of people in my life that don't focus on my weaknesses they see me for who i am and the value and the strength that i bring not the fact that i'm probably the most disorganized person in terms of administration and stuff on the face of the planet but i know what my strengths are and i'm appreciated for those but i think we do we do lose because the world's so fast and everything's like vowing for our attention, any phones, is this notification for that? We we lose the ability to focus, I think is one of our challenges. But also, I do think we we lose the ability to be grateful at times because we used to having anything we want just because we want it um, instantly. How do you think we sort of combat that, Phil? What do you think we do to solve that little riddle? Yeah, so I, I think this thing on instant gratification or immediacy. So the notifications on your phone, for example, okay? So when... People talk to me, I run an entrepreneur's club, okay? One of the best pieces of advice I can give anyone, okay, no matter what you're doing in life is go onto your phone right now, go to notifications and switch them all off. Agreed. If it pings or it dings, get it out of your life straight away. Because what it does is it stresses you. If, so before this podcast, what have I gone and done? I've gone and put my phone on silent and I've gone and put Teams and everything on Do Not Disturb. But even on my desktop when I'm working, I switch off anything that pings and digs. Because what it's going to do is break my brain space over what I'm doing in the moment. So if I'm having a conversation with everyone, ding, it comes in. It not just distracts me, it distracts the other person. I find it really irritating, Joe, if I'm at lunch with someone. And they've got their phone out in the middle, even if it's in the middle of the table. So putting your phone in the middle of the table, you're actually giving someone a message that you're on high alert. Okay, take your phone, put it on silent, put it in your handbag. You know, that's it. What can happen in that hour? You never know. My mother-in-law might phone. And you've all went my mother-in-law. She's, you know, on the Welsh flag. She, that's her. Yeah, uh, look, I love my mother-in-law to death. Brenda, there's no one like her. She's a Lancashire lass. She says it how it is. And she put me in a place right now. But, but what's the... 
what something could happen. Yeah, but those catastrophes happen very rarely. So what happens? We live, Leon, our life in a constant state of high alert, like because of the pinging and dinging. Well, just switch it all off. Switch all the notifications. And again, if you're uh, maybe a little bit like Leon, all those little red numbers that are 313 emails or whatever that have come in since he's been on the phone here. Oh, my gosh, I've got 313 tasks now that I need to well, get rid of them. Yeah. No, but, 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 just, Phil, I, I completely agree. I, I, I took this, this move quite a few years ago, and it was one of the most empowering things I, I ever did. And I often talk about this in terms of distractions. A lot of people, well, well how, do I, how am I going to know if someone's messaged me? And, I, and Phil, your phones have got a great feature, haven't they? If someone's messaged you and you go open the app, it actually shows you inside the app that someone's messaged you. You've got a message and you just set a time to respond. And I think right. this, is, this is one of the pieces where, you know, we always talk about tech. People say technology is bad, but we have a, an ownership to actually understand what that piece of technology is doing for us. Is it good? Like too much alcohol is too bad. Alcohol isn't necessarily bad, but too much of it is. So social media is not bad, but too much of it is. And it's about bringing that balance. I think where it goes back to, for like you was mentioned there, is you know, if you were just talk about what we was all doing this morning, we're all up at five o'clock or around them, them early hours. We're all going to bed early. Last night I was in bed for quarter to ten. And we've got a sacrifice, haven't we? And I think the challenge we have is it's too easy to see happiness through through pleasure, isn't it? We always want that that extra bit of cake. We always want that extra beer. We want to stay up a little bit late. But you can only really seek meaning really i think through sacrificing because you've got you've, there's lots of things that we don't want to go out running this morning i didn't want to go out running this morning i couldn't think about where to do but i need to do it if i want to be able to chase my kids for longer don't i and i think it's getting that that balance would you add to that feel anything on that yeah i do and and, and, I, and i think part of what you're talking about there now is putting like boundaries in place okay so another great book if you want more on this there's a fantastic uh, book called boundaries by henry cloud the psychologist phenomenal book and it says how can we have healthy boundaries in the things that we're doing so for example embracing the word no because we think no is a bad thing when actually no is an empowering thing so by going to bed early or saying no to that other drink or that piece of cake or whatever you're not actually saying no what you're saying is you're saying yes to other things just look at those people that are listening that might be man united fans and cristiano ronaldo came and joined them he's had an unbelievable effect on the team and their diet because he is so serious in his mission about being the very best of the best so by saying yes to being the best of the best it means he says no to certain desserts or whatever. So I think it's, again, back to an attitude of gratitude, back to a mindset that we're talking about, is beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. You see what you want to see. And you think what you want. And so the power of life is the fact that nobody actually really controls me. I, I can think whatever I think in my own mind. I can process things. And as Stephen Covey talks about, he says, between stimulation and response rise a, lies a moment called choice. I get to choose my response to anything that takes place.
And I think that's where I'm empowered because there's very few things that are actually outside of my control. Okay, the, this house could blow up from a gas, gas explosion, God forbid, right now or something else. But there's very few things in life that are actually outside of my control. So let's control the things that we can and let the world get on with everybody else and let's not get bent out of shape about it. I can't change the, the stuff that we've seen over the last couple of weeks with petrol prices and the stuff around haulage. I can't change that. I'm not in the industry. I'm not going to, so I'm certainly not going to add to the conversation going, oh, it's ridiculous about petrol. What's the point? I'm not going to even get my brain in that space. I'm just going to be what I call a Madagascar person. Have you seen the film, Leon? Fantastic yeah. film. Madagascar yeah. is brilliant. I've seen the penguins. Do you know what, what they the do? They smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. And that's all I do. I, people want to moan. I just smile and wave. I go, oh, yeah, interesting. I move on because I have not got the brain space to get involved in all that stuff. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Absolutely love that. It's inspiring just listening to him. And I will remember that about saying no. The penguin. Yeah. And you no, know, about if I say no, it means I want to be something else. I want to say, say no yes to that piece of cake. And so saying no to it is because I want to be something else. And I'll take that away. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Paul, can I add to that? It, I actually call it, in order to make it more powerful again, it's yeah. called strategic quitting. Strategic quitting, right? That we, it's, we're saying no to something in order to release something else. That yeah. is part of our vision, part of our story, part of who we want to be, part of the change that we want. It's, and it's a powerful concept. Yeah, and it's down to, isn't it? it's down to Phil, isn't it? I think it's Jim Collins, good to great. We've always got all these choices that come up and we was having a conversation previously yeah paul you you, you, you set up your own business you're entrepreneurial and, and you start on that, that hamster wheel of, of, of yeah. life and it was really interesting when he was starting out i'm saying to him say yes to everything just say yes show up and that's part of the game and it felt just say yes and joe you're doing the same as well aren't you doing different things and then all of a sudden he ain't got no capacity anymore so he has to start saying no to things that are really good they're awesome these choices they've got are awesome but they're not great and it's what advice would you give to someone on that though, Phil? Because sometimes you've got to say no, and it, it's not in our human nature though, is it? Because we want to help each other. It goes, it goes away from, we want to help each other, don't we? And do things to, to, to help each other. So saying no at times um, upsets other people. And, and I think that's one of the biggest things we fear is um, other people's opinions. So what would you say on that, Phil, to build that sort of resilience up? Yes, but the point is all of us here that's uh, listening right now and having this conversation, we all know people that say yes to, to things and they say yes to everything. But the problem is there's not enough of them to go around. So in the end, they become the people that let us down. We go, oh, yeah, he hasn't shown up again or she hasn't done that. So the truth is the kindest thing you can give anyone. Right. And if we start from that place of the truth is the kindest thing we can give anyone. So, for example, I think this podcast recording that we're doing today has been in our diary, Leon, for three, four weeks, maybe a bit more than that. Yeah, correct. Yeah. This was the earliest possible time that you and I could do it. And I remember, I think we were in Manchester at an event. We caught up and, and, and we'd had a conversation. You said, hey, I'd love to get this podcast recording done with you. I said, yeah. And I can remember we... Flip diaries open straight away. We said, can't do that, can't do that, can't do that. I can't do that. Well, I didn't beat you up about it. So, well, that's ridiculous. Why, do, why, why can't we do it in two weeks' time? Because the thing is, we understand where we're both coming from, right? And we respect each other and we respect each other's time. So the people who either want something now are actually disrespectful. And so they turn it into a story. And, and if they're manipulative and 
sociopathic and whatever, they'll tell you, well, clearly you don't care about me. And they'll turn it into all of this crazy mind games that's actually based on the fact that they're unhealthy people in the first place. And if you want to get a book called Safe People, oh, really helping to identify people with sociopathic and narcissistic behaviors and everything else like that. Really good, great book by Safe People that I read during lockdown. So then what it encourages me to do in saying the no. So if Paul says, hey, can I, can, can I catch up with you next Friday? And I think it's the way that we deliver it. So I think deliver it with kindness, so truth with kindness. Hey, Paul, I'd love to meet you next Friday, but I'm sorry my diary's full. I'm full up. Hey, how does the Friday after work for you? The Friday, and it's only it's only selfish, unhinged people that go that start that conversation. Well, clearly I'm not important to you because next Friday is good enough for other people. I find it in business sometimes. If I wanted time with Richard Branson right now. A, could I get time with it? But I guarantee I would have to wait five, six weeks to get an audience with Richard Branson easily. Yep. But if there's any young entrepreneurs listening to here, that's part of what you guys think are doing in Transforming Cloud. It's the most naive thing in the world to think that busy people, you can get time with them on a dime because they're busy doing stuff, right? Uh, Elon Musk is busy putting stuff in space and transforming cars. I think he's a bit busy right now. <laughs> so don't be that like self-centered that you think your time's more important than Elon Musk's? Grow up. Come on. So part of it is, as I think, just deliver it in a nice, kind way. And even if you've got an assistant or whatever, hey, there's nothing that's in Phil's heart more than he would love to meet with you. But he's got a lot of stuff. He's in a busy season at this moment in time. Quickest he could meet with you right now is week beginning the 1st of November. Does that work for you? And just mm -hmm. pencil it in. So radical honesty, which we are. We're all nodding. I can see you nodding, Joe. Love that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree with everything that Phil's saying. On that. And it's good to hear it. We do, Again, we've not had this conversation, so it's really good to hear about that. And yeah. I'm going to wait him with the next question. Well, then. then, Phil, what purchase of £50 or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months? Oh, you're going to laugh at this. <laughs> oh, I'm giving it. Uh, a little induction fast charger. I've got one on my desk and the one that I have in the car is broken. So I've, I've just ordered another one because again, back to trying to save time. There's time that we are looking for a socket or whatever it is. So maybe some of the listeners here, again, because it's a piece of tech, they probably think I'm crazy. I've had one of those for about 64 years. Sorry, I haven't. A induction charger for my phone so I can literally just uh, sit it in front of me and then it's charging there without me having to plug it in and move it around. And I think that item costs 22 quid, I think, Paul. So it's a bit of a sad one, I'm afraid. But, yeah, but the, the key point is trying to save time it's always about time because we're not getting none of it back out are we we're not getting any more so, right so i'm going to get you with the next question now phil do you have a lesson from a failure of yours oh yeah. <laughs> i could keep you all day with this in fact it's the subject i like talking about the most Okay. And again, I'm citing another book up here. It's by John Maxwell uh, called Failing Forward. And I think in our Western 21st century, want it now, immediacy, stress-free, everything's right world, we underestimate failure. Because when I fail at something, it doesn't make me a failure. It just makes what I did a failure. So for example, I'm running the London Marathon, right? I've got a goal time that I want to do it in three hours 45, and I'd like to do it in under four, okay? If I do it in four and a half hours, how do I feel about that? 
oh, well, I'm a little bit gutted because I might pick up like a, I don't know, hamstring injury or something on the way. Who knows? Because stuff happens. But am I a failure if I don't hit my target? No, it just means I failed at what I was trying to achieve. And so one of the challenges that we have in life at the moment is people that fail at things. So, so for example, with falling out of Wimbledon, I was really angered with a lot of the comments that were going on social media about around the situation. And she did the ultimate in your face, shut your gob by just going and flying the other side of the Atlantic and winning. And what I loved about Emma, I'm not sure if she listens to this podcast, but if she does, you inspire me because I love the fact that you didn't get involved in all the chit chat and all the talking about it because she realized that inside of her is greatness and just focused on the right things, kept training, kept eating, kept doing all of what she needed to do and it brings success. So for me, I think to answer the question, Joe, it's really important that at the beginning, we've got an open approach to failure because failure is a good thing. So what I do is I approach um, this, and this is the sound bout that, that, I, that I use on it. Life is actually about win-learn. So I don't make things binary about win-fail. It's win-learn. So if I fail at something, or something didn't quite work out, there's a learning from it. So a a, a hire that doesn't work out when you're employing a person and you think, how could I got this wrong? Like, and so people destroy themselves. Well, clearly I made a mistake or that. What I should have done, I need to employ that one or whatever. And I get like a huge, like whirlwind over the whole thing. Like just move forward, just try and reflect. And what was it? So for me, I've had to close down businesses. I've lost lots of money. And that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned. I'm having to close down a couple of companies, you know, which isn't grand. And I know you can look at all the CV of the life of Phil, 30 years in business, whatever, say he's done this, he's done this. <laughs> hey, folks, that's just the stuff that worked out. Do you want to really look at the back catalog here of stuff that was a that was a mess? I'll talk to you about that all day. So one of the guys I like is a guy, you need to get him on this podcast as well, called Mike Winlet. And he runs an organization and a YouTube channel called The Contrepreneur. And I love it because he is deliberately trying to hit back at everybody in business that is always coming up. They're always pulling out of a Lamborghini or they're always just landed in a jet or they're always doing like all these things, like I'm earning six figures and I'm doing all of this kind of stuff. It's just a pile of rubbish. Running a business is not that easy. It's really hard. So do you know what? If a few people has got a jet or got a Lambo and enjoying six figures, good luck for them because I'm certainly not in that club. But all, and to be honest, if I had the money to buy a jet, I wouldn't do it anywhere sooner. Fire up another company and create meaningful jobs for people that they can earn a living and put their uh, kids to Disney or get a deposit on a first house. That's the stuff that motivates me anyway. But this whole thing about failure to answer the question is something we should embrace. And I think a lot of the time, we don't do things like JFK did, which is say, hey, we're going to put a man on the moon because it's too ambitious a goal. And because the goal is too hairy and because it's too audacious, we think we can't possibly do that. What would people say? So, for example, I'm working alongside a young man that wants to make homelessness history in the United Kingdom in his lifetime. Goal. Awesome goal. What a goal. And it inspires me. I love his passion for it. What a goal. It's big, it's hairy, it's audacious. 
and he might not see it fulfilled in his lifetime. But I tell you what, he's going to give it a really good shot doing it. Phil, I want to ask as well and pick on this because you are a serial entrepreneur. And I think it's always good. And I don't think we get taught enough about, you know, I'll champion a bit about how entrepreneurs think. So when you're putting you know plans together, you mentioned that you're not the most organized person, but entrepreneurs really look at the risk, don't they? Um, and they see value in things that others can't see. So what would you talk, any advice you could give to anyone who's trying to look at one of these big hairy goals? And when you actually go through the, the planning process and you write all the risks down, sometimes it can be, feel quite overwhelming and we don't want to push forward with them goals. So what advice would you give to someone looking at, at, at doing that? Yeah, so I, I think there's a little bit of care that's needed here when we talk about what do we mean when we say entrepreneur or business owner or something in the first place? Because just because you're good at something doesn't necessarily mean that you'd be good at running a business doing it. So let me explain. So I could be a really good mechanic on Harley Davidson's, right? I could be able to repair, strip them down, put them back together like these great motorbikes. I could be phenomenal at doing that, okay? Because uh, that's a very technical role. But running a Harley Davidson repair shop doing that is a whole nother skill. Okay, same thing. I could be a really good baker. I could make the best bread in Bradford. Okay, but none of that helps if I don't know what it is to run a business, what we call business administration. And if you go to a place like Stanford, they'll actually give you a master's in it. It's called a master's of business administration. And it's a separate skill in its entirety. So believe it or not, you can be a master in business administration without any of the technical part of it. And that's what I discovered is my gift, right? So my gift is, you know, got interest in so many different businesses doing different things because I discovered I'm just a business administrator. I can spot opportunity. I can align teams. I can see what works because of the MBA gift, if I call it, that I have. So the mistake a lot of the time that people do is just because they they have a technical competency to be able to repair computers or bake or cut hair or whatever, they make the assumption. So that's the first thing I would say that's really important when we are approaching the subject. And then fundamentally, the other thing that's, fun, that, that's fundamentally important to me is that you enjoy what you do. 81% yeah. of people, this is a Gallup poll. And I think it's gone up to 86% post-COVID. 81% of people are unhappy in their work. If you are listening to my voice on this podcast today and you're unhappy in your job, go change it. Because yep. you're probably miserable in your work and whatever it is you're doing, go change it. Because why would you want to subject yourself to that? So what's your heart telling you? What, what do you really want to do? I remember a young girl called Shawnid years and years ago that was working with us in our office at one of our companies years ago. And, you know, I sat down with her in a one-to-one -one and say, hey, how are you doing? How's things, Shawnid? And she says, okay, okay. I said, what do you mean it's okay? And you enjoy what you're doing? I can't stand what I do. And I said, what do you mean you can't stand what I do? Well, really, I'd like to be nursing. I said, you what? Well, go be a nurse then, girl. He said, oh, you don't understand. There's lots of people who have been saying that's a wrong career choice for me or whatever it is. I said, oh, listen to them. You do what you do. Anyway, today, Shawned is a nurse. <laughs> and she's loving her life doing what she does. So I think back to this principle that you to answer your question, I think there's two things. Number one, make sure you've got the skills. Otherwise, it's going to be, end painfully. But as well as that, make sure you enjoy what you do. Because some business owners, they actually don't enjoy being a business owner. Well, don't be a business owner. Just go work for somebody else, baking or fixing Harley Davidson's.
So love what you do, but make sure you got the skill set to go with the man. Yeah, I absolutely love getting up on a Monday morning enthused instead of having. I had that. I used to have that Monday morning feeling where, oh, here we go again, another week, uh, and it drained me. Now I get up and I'm thinking, what am I going to do this week? What good's coming out of this week? And I'm inspired for the week ahead. Whereas before I was used to go another five days there. Oh no. So yeah. Changed it. It is my favorite Mark Twain quote, Paul, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life again. Mm -hmm. It's so true. Great. Great. Who's the next one? What is a favorite quote or saying? If you could share with everyone in the world, what is it and why? Um, yeah, so my favourite quote, and, I, and this does change because I know quotes meet you at a different point in your life and the same thing with messages as we get older and everything. But my favourite quote is the one from Henry Ford that says, if you think you can or you think you can't, either way, you're probably right. Yeah, I've heard that one. Because you're not that joke. Yeah, yeah, I've heard, yeah, I like that one. I've heard that one before and I, I like that one. It's yeah, a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. Very good one. Um, where we go next? Right you, then, it's me, isn't it? It is you, yeah. In the last five years, what new habit or belief has had the most profound effect on your life, Phil? Ooh, this is a big one. And this is a big one for me personally, because um, as a systematic reader of the Bible, right, every single day you're opening a new page and there's a new lesson and there's a new story on it. And the crazy thing is you go from Genesis to Revelation and you start over again. But the thing is, it meets you at a different space the bit that i'm going to share with you here is the piece about legacy really and i have become in the last 13 months ago i had a new family member appear in our lives and it's my grandson solomon and just being brutally honest with you i love the role but i hate the title that i am like officially a granddad that's a, that was so painful that was catastrophic news when it was delivered to me but i love the role and so it's brought me to a place in terms of habit where I am penciling more time in for significant things because I have had grandparents in my life that had a huge effect on my life. And I'm realizing that I now sit in that chair. And so I'm having to make some adjustments in order that I can put into his life the stuff that maybe his parents can't because you know you don't listen to mum and dad do you but most times you would listen to granddad or grandma wouldn't you i love that love it oh, love i that. can't wait for the day i'm so looking forward to being a not a grandma but yeah. what but no congratulations and i'm glad you're enjoying that role so i'm going to go into the next question so name what you know now we're thinking about your grandchild and stuff name what you know now what advice would you give to yourself at 18 and what advice should you have ignored yeah so the advice that I would give myself at 18 would be, Phil, just chill out. It's all going to be okay. That would probably be the big thing. And I think added to that, I would say, Phil, look, just be kinder to yourself. Because I think the challenge is with lots of us that are wired in a particular way. Like I, I know Leon really well. He's got his mindset that he wants his life uh, to make a difference to other people. And you are, Leon. You inspire me by the work that you do every single day through business and through all the kind of huge volunteering work that you do and this podcast, right? It's a heavy lift to do all of this kind of stuff. It doesn't like just automatically come out of the sausage machine in the corner of the office. It takes intentionality to make all of that work. So I think a lot of the time uh, we don't realize the effect we have on other people's lives because everybody is an influencer. We think that I've got to be 
I've got to be on Instagram or whatever. I'm an influencer today. I've hopefully touched your life today and there's something that you've yeah, taken away from today. 100%, 100%. But equally, I was an influencer yesterday. I stopped and had a conversation with somebody in the park yesterday morning and I said, how's your day going? And they said, oh, thanks for asking. She's a bit rubbish, really. And I says, okay, why is it a bit rubbish? And we just had a conversation. And I said, chin up, you never know. I said, the day might get better from here on in. She said, yeah. So I don't know if that meant anything to her. Just let's be around and, and do random acts of kindness and be nice to And I think that's the real wonderful tapestry of life more than, oh, guys, we just sunk this huge deal. Or did that, like, like the older I get, probably more chilled about lots of different things. And I hope that's a good thing for the people that live, live around me. No, absolutely. And I think, I think that goes really nicely, Phil, when I was the next question, because being in that state of mind or, or being present like you are there, it takes a lot of effort. At times we all feel burnt out, unfocused, unenergized, and sometimes overwhelmed. What is it that you do to sort of turn that around? And maybe if, if helpful, what sort of questions do you ask yourself? So I, I think I, there's power in a routine. Okay. And people yeah. go, oh, I wish I could do it. We've all got a routine because we are naturally creatures of routine. So whatever time you've got up in the morning, like you're the one that set that alarm clock. Nobody put a gun to your head. You set that alarm clock, particularly on weekend. Okay. Yeah. And what time do you go to bed? How do you connect? The phrase you used earlier, Leon, how do you connect with alcohol? Some people are, I can have one or two. Some people are all away. So some people are just right. So how is it you approach all of those kind of different things in life. So for me, the power of routine is really important. So for me, the mindfulness of, okay, getting my morning routine done so I can be at my desk at 8 a.m., but equally so, I have a break at 11 o'clock and I go downstairs and I grab a coffee with my wife, Ruth, or whatever it is. I take 15 minutes there and then I take a lunch hour every day from one till two. I'm that old school. But what it does is it changes the posture of my mind and my biology and everything else like that. So that when I'm back at my desk at two o'clock, I can smash another shift out instead of, please don't eat at your desks, folk. If you eat at your desks, number one, it's not good for you and it's pretty unhygienic. So just find somewhere to go on and eat that's outside of the kind of office space and have a conversation with someone and ask them, hey, how's your day going? That's the most mindful thing we can do. I do it, I know I'm going on, Leon, but I love going on a London tube because I am that guy. If you met me on the London tube, I can only do it when I'm by myself, but I walk into the London tube and I say, morning, everyone. And they look crazy at me. Yeah, they do, yeah. Um, they do. But it's amazing. I had a woman from Cornwall, Paul. You laugh at this. She says, you shouldn't be doing that around here. And I said, why shouldn't I be doing it around here? Well, people don't talk on tubes, she says. And I said, well, we've got a problem already then. And I said, what do you mean you've got a problem already? I says, well, you're talking to me. Why are you talking to me on the tube if we shouldn't be talking on the tube? She says, no, you misunderstood. I was just saying it's not the done thing. And I said, it's clearly the done thing because we're doing it now. But anyway, long story short, she's a Cornish woman, right? That is basically changing the way she's living just because she's in a big city. And I was encouraging her to, as my father used to say, my father used to say, be the thermostat, not a thermometer. Because the thermometer changes its temperature to the temperature of the room, but the thermostat you're changing the temperature of the room when you turn that dial. And I'm always a thermostat guy. So I think in every aspect of our lives to engage with people, connect with them. Because I tell you what, when I'm on a tube, I ain't doing nothing much. So I might as well talk to someone and brighten up their lives. Because who knows, they, that lady that day did brighten up my life. Because it's very rarely I get to talk to someone on a tube. <laughs> That's great. Um, Phil, 
Who in the world would you like to interview, past or present, and why? Mm. This is going to be interesting. Yeah, big one. So from the spirituality part of it, like I would love to meet Jesus Christ himself. I think that would be interesting. I'd love to know some of the decisions that he made when he pulled together with a call and the 12 disciples, but they were a, a real bunch of like weird blokes. Uh, <laughs> and and you know, someone here hasn't read the gospels, like they're just people just like us, doubting Thomas and Judas that betrayed and everything else, like all the kind of the stuff that we go through in our in humanity. So for me as a leader, I would love to question him over so many different things that he did and why. So for example, if Jesus knew that Judas had his hands in the till and that he was stealing. So me, I'd fire him off the team for that. And he didn't. And I just think that's just really interesting. Did he have a way of looking over other people's failings and seeing their heart in a way that I've not got there yet? So that for that reason, he's the person that I would love to meet the most and have a conversation with. I love that. Great answer. Good love that one. Um, and we're there, aren't we? That's it. We, we got you through an hour, Phil, on time. We've got wow. minutes left. So we've done an absolute job on Phil there. So last question, journey, really. Yeah. So is there anything we should have asked but didn't? Yeah, I probably think it, and I'm amazed Leon didn't ask this one, is because it's linked to who we are as people, is, and it's fashionable at the moment to say, what's your why, isn't it? What's your why? So for me, and look, if there are people listening today that want to connect with me, just connect with me on social or whatever. I believe, so there's two statistics. So this is my life's purpose, Joe. 81% of people are unhappy in their work. And if you hit my website at philipmorgan.com, uh, you'll see I give three reasons for that. You're either in the wrong job, and this is some kind of research. It's not empirical. This is not done by Stanford University or MIT or everything. This is just something I've learned experientially through conversation. Most people that are unhappy in their work, and that has impact on mental health, right, and the work that you do, right, yeah. on a big Most people are unhappy in their work, are either working for the wrong company, so the mission of the company doesn't tick a box for them, right? So if you're an environmentalist, it's highly unlikely that you'd want to work for, you know, a big petrochemical organization. So your yeah. mission is misaligned because you're working for the wrong company. Or maybe the company's got a wrong culture as well. So banking and other industries have got a, a particular kind of cutthroat work in the city of London and everything, but it's got a particularly cutthroat approach to it. So you're either working for the wrong company, you're either in the wrong job. So you might well be a person that is maybe accountancy is your thing, but you're in the wrong company, right? So you're either in the wrong company, you're either in the wrong job, or the other thing you might well be an entrepreneur. And so entrepreneurs are the people that sit in the meeting and in every meeting that I says, I can't believe she said that. Or does he really think that's going to work? Or, oh my gosh, that strategy? Because they've got an organizational approach to the way that they see things. So for me, this is two statistics that I'll share with you. That's my life purpose. 81% of people are unhappy in their work. Over 80% of businesses go out of business within the first five years. And I believe that's wrong. And so a lot of that is people that are going into business that haven't got the business organization skills to be able to run one just because they've got a good technical competency. So my life's mission is to help people to be more, 
undo more. So it's got to come out of who we are as a person. We are human beings, Leon, not human doings. Okay. And so often we focus on people, oh, he's a great accountant or she's a great teacher or they're a great this, that and the other. And we define, particularly in Western society, we define people by what they do rather than who they are. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it's a real challenge, isn't it? Because many people just stay in jobs for a long time because they feel secure and they don't want to change because they're frightened of change. How can we encourage people that are in the wrong job or working for the wrong company to have to be able to change that and to go to, to look for employment elsewhere? Because it, I think it is there might be opportunities opening up now. The majority of people just stay put because it's safer, it's easier. Yeah, and the challenge is with a lot of that, we call it the rat race, right? We're in the rat race, You're like going around on a hamster wheel. And the, and the problem is when a lot of people get out of the rat race, they're still a rat because it's screwed them up in a particular way. People that are maybe been teachers for years and they retire and they, they don't love what they do. If we all think of the teachers that had impact on our lives, who were they? We all know the good teachers and the bad teachers because the bad teachers weren't like people pleasers, were they? My The two bad teachers, the two really great teachers, sorry, that I had in life, they were hard on me. Mr. Harris, like he would always say, come on, Morgans, you're better than this, he would say to me. You are better than this. And he was right, but because he saw beyond Phil and his foibles and all of what I was up to no good and I wasn't academic and too busy larking around, but he saw what was inside of me. And so I do think with where we are in life, we need a few more lockdowns, maybe, Joe, Mm. where people are forced to take time aside to actually really think about where they're at and then make the brave decisions that are required. And if you're listening today and you want to stop being a salesperson and go to nursing or do a career change, go do it. What's the worst thing that can happen? You know, because people are scared of the failure and what will people think? And like, like you live your life. So I do think a lot of the time in the world that we live in, because of the being able to be seen to be like this, or a big one that I've come across, and and I'll I'll maybe finish with this because I'm going on, is that people are playing keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. Okay. So they're living in a house they can't afford, driving a car that they have to own in order to please people in the cul-de-sac that they live in because they can't be seen to be that family that hasn't got it all together. But as a family, it's killing them. Downsize then. You you know what I mean? Make the big decision. And I call it, I'm trying to think of the guy that does a lot of this. He runs the Financial Peace University. His name will come back to me. Uh, Maybe, Paul, while you're on at the moment, Google Financial Peace University and his name will, uh, will come up on screen for me so I can name drop him. But he uses this phrase, live like no one else so you can live like no one else. I love it. Live like no one else. So you can live like no one else. So it's making the choices to, okay, we're going to hang on to the car for five years then. And it's we're going to drive it into the ground in order that, you know, we'll pay off the lease at year three and we'll save some money so we can have a family holiday or maybe build up a little next egg so I can take the career change or do whatever. And I think the point that I'm making, Joan, forgive me for going on. The problem is not making the change. 
in my experience, people are scared of what other people will think mm -hmm. if they make the change. That's usually the problem. Yeah, absolutely. And that leads to all kinds of stuff, which leads me on very nicely to um, our suicide prevention training. We do know that this works. We've trained um, 11,500 people so far. And uh, it's great to be able to say on air that nationally, in the Humber Coast and Vale area, we've had um, the most significant reductions in 2020 in terms of suicides. We were the highest for both male and females. We're no longer the highest. And we've had the most significant reductions, which I am just... Gosh, I can't tell you how wonderful it is to be able to say that. So we just need to keep going. But I really do believe that this training does make a difference. The more people that can spot the signs, speak about suicide, the closer we're getting to a zero suicide community. So the training is um, www.talksuicide.co.uk. It takes 20 minutes, 25, 30 minutes maximum. But the impact that it can have can really make a difference. And we truly can save life. I absolutely believe that now after seeing hearing that news from the ONS figures. I'm absolutely thrilled. And I'm sure, Phil, we are networks. We believe everyone should be doing that piece of training. Yep. A, a short little story for you there. Me and Paul have been working in mental health for the sort of like past five years in the work we do with Andy's Man Club. And a young gentleman happened to walk up to us who, was in who we noticed was in distress and we used that piece of training. And the tips it gave me prior to that training, I'd have never had that conversation like I had. And ultimately, that did save a life. So I think the ripple effect that training can have is incredible. And we are networks and your influence. And we'd love for you to share that, which I'm sure you will, Phil. Yeah, I think all of this stuff, that stat and what you're doing, Joe, keep going. Please keep going because it's tough. Because a lot of the stuff that, that that we do, I've got a friend of mine that is in the fire rescue service. And he, he said it was great when back in the day when they'd blues and twos turn up and put some, put the house out because it had burned, it was, a, it was in flames. You know, like, oh, and people being drawn to the fire and rescue service because of all of that. He says, uh, not so glamorous in the world that we live in today that the job is more about the prevention, which is putting smoke detectors in people's houses and even people listening to my voice right now on this podcast, please check your full smoke detectors, make sure they're working because it's a big thing. We all think it'll never happen to us, but not so glamorous. And for the work that you're doing, Joe, thank you for what you're doing and thank you for the change that you're making to make the difference in the lives, not just of that person, but the impact it has to the broader family. As a minister, I've had to deal with this several times in my pastoral work and uh, the questions that parents ask themselves um, and that others ask themselves, maybe we should have done more. And so the fact that you're skilling people like me, and I've made a note of it, talksuicide.co.uk, I'll, I'll schedule some, some time in the next two weeks to get that training done. And I'll let you know, I'll send out a tweet when I've done it, all right? Yeah, we thank appreciate, you, that'd be brilliant. appreciate that. Thank no, you. No, and we appreciate having the show. Um, I just want to really thank you from the bottom of my heart. Phil, you always inspire me. A true go giver. So thank you for being um, part of my life. And if anyone else wants to finish out and sets out to Phil, just I think the compliment I can give Phil is that when this podcast goes out, I'll be listening to it again because it's inspired me and I'll be taking notes again because you're an inspirational person, Phil. So thanks for coming on. Absolutely inspirational. I've really enjoyed it. All our guests are wonderful, but you've been absolutely fantastic today. And it's a while since I've written so much down, but I've taken lots of pointers today. I've actually put it on the hack sheet, which I shouldn't have done, but I have. So it's been fantastic. And your enthusiasm and your passion just shines through. So just keep going with that and keep enjoying being a granddad.
Yeah, lovely. It's wonderful. Phil, where can people find out more about you, please? Where, where, you know, where they need to hit you up? What, what's going on? Yeah, so I'm fortunate is my father named me Philip after the evangelist in the Bible, Philip. And I'm spelt because I'm a Welsh guy, as you can all gather from my French accent. It's spelt P-H-Y-L-I-P, which is the Celtic Welsh way of spelling Philip. So if you just Google Philip Morgan, you'll see all the social channels and stuff there, or people can visit philipmorgan.com and connect me there. And again, I'm the most, and Leon, I hope you'll vouch for this, I'm the most approachable guy on the planet. You run a couple of business and life's, life's kind to you, and then people think, oh, well, how can I strike up a conversation, whatever? Just message me. Like, I'm just flesh and blood like anybody else. And if I can help in any way with the cause and mission that you are doing or any of the listening, any of the listeners, then I'm here to help and serve in any way I can. Yeah, I'll vote for that you. again because there's many a time when I've reached out to Phil. I can't solve this riddle and he's straight there. So 100%. Just need to have your diary organised, don't you, Phil? So as long as as long as you know that, we can get in it. So that's Leon checking out. Thanks, Phil, for being on the show. That's Joe checking out. And Paul checking out. And that's me checking out too then. <laughs> We're done. Phil, absolutely oh, love that. That was brilliant. Thank you very much. Let me just stop recording. Latent plug. Think differently about your business IT. Let's face it, it's impossible to grow a business without digital technology. Now more than ever, with everything going on in the world right now, businesses are struggling to manage, protect and work in the cloud. Transform your business IT with expert support from ThinkCloud. Learn how the most successful businesses in your sector consistently generate up to 20% higher revenues at 30% lower costs. You've come this far. You got this. Check out www.think-cloud.co.uk and book a call today.